Uh, hey, Brian, you know the second best part of a three-day weekend? The second best part of a three-day weekend is what? <laughs> I don't. It's a four-day week. Oh. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, that's true. You know what the best part of a three-day weekend is? The third day? Yeah, the fucking three-day weekend. Yeah. <laughs> three-day weekend? Uh-huh. Welcome to episode 425 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Black. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how you doing? Uh, You've moved, I believe. I have moved. Yeah, the weekend. Okay, first of all, huge pro tip, life pro tip. If you're going to move, move on a three-day weekend. (laughs) Uh, We basically scheduled it unintentionally, but I took Friday off to do the move busy unpacking just not super stressful actually we've pretty much organized it correctly saturday sunday unpacking and then sunday unpacking you'll you're just drained you like don't want to look at stuff anymore you don't want to see another cardboard box for the rest of your your life and then wake up monday and you're like oh i get a day to like live in this Mm -hmm. so anyways yeah moved we got some projects i'm excited the future is bright you know, Marshall, it's funny because I think we probably first talked about smart home stuff like two years ago, and it was always irrelevant to me. Even when you come up with the coolest use case, I'm like, yeah, I would never do that in my little apartment. But now we're in a new place. I'm like, ooh, I can invest here. I can upgrade shit. So I'm going to start very slowly dipping my toes into the water, which will actually be one of my cool things this, this week. So teaser, yeah. Well, I'm super happy that you've uh, got your new place and I will be here to catch you if you fall in your smart home journey. Thank you. That, you know, that is a, a nice aspect of knowing you is I can come to you for questions about lots and lots of things from Figma to now smart home things. So expect many texts. I've already gotten a few product wrecks from you over the weekend, so... So far, so good. Nice. All right. Should we dive into an episode? Let's go. All right. Before we do, huge shout out to Play. Play is back again. They're the first native iOS design tool made for teams that create mobile products. If you're designing an app for the iPhone, you can design it and prototype it and collaborate directly on it from your iPhone. It's crazy. You can experience your design as you create it while taking full advantage of all those great native iOS features not found in other design and prototyping tools. Click the link in the show notes. You can get access to Play. It's in the App Store or head to createwithplay.com. Thank you, Play. Thanks, Play. We also have some new VIPs this week's new very important pixels have joined the fam, come into the fold, prepared themselves mentally, spiritually, and physically for the extra audio waves entering your eardrums for our bonus content. So welcome to the fam. Anelia Kirchiska, Lucia, Matthew Akarium, Alan Mills, Jordan, Meiji Lay, Taylor Vogel, and Philip Zafirowski. Hey, welcome, welcome everybody. To the fam. Be sure to catch your first sidebar today. Yeah. If you didn't know, we're a listener supported podcast, which means that every week designers and non designers alike from around the world gather at patreon.com slash design details, where in this little campfire of a website, you can pay a dollar a month. Just a buck a month? Just a buck a month, and you get access to bonus episodes of the show. We call that bonus episode every single week. 
The sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. Uh, the sidebar is an extra listener question, extra design topic. For example, today we're talking all about car UI design. Last week we talked about storytelling and on and on back through time. If you join at patreon.com slash design details, not only will you get today's sidebar, but you'll also get access to the entire backlog as well as bonus content every week going forward. So head to patreon.com slash design details and join the fam. Come on in. Water's warm. Just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. All right. Main topic time. Yeah, we got a listener question over on the old GitHubs. This comes from listener Brian Maniatakis. Hopefully I said that right, Brian. And it's a question about building variants. So here's the question, Brian. How many variants is too many variations? Uh-huh. A question I think we've all asked. That is ourselves. a great question. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, he goes on to say, I'm currently working on a design system focusing on a card component with a ton of optional fields. And he has an image here. You can check it out, link in the show notes. But there's a toggle for title, another one for subtitle, body, CTA. He says, building out a card with this many variants is great for the end design system user since it shows the optional fields available in the CMS that powers the layout of this design and the app. But maintaining this card and its 128 variants seems like a pain in the ass for the future design systems team. So the question, based on your experience, is this method sustainable? Is forcing the user to hide or show layers a better option to reduce complexity? Should I break out the component into more subcomponents to create fewer variants, but which causes more clicking around? Help. Uh, good question, Brian. <sighs> this is one I've grappled with myself. Everyone listening, you should go to the show notes and click on this or just look at this image. This is the kind of stuff that stresses me out about design systems. Like this doesn't feel correct. There's got to be a better way, right? Not to blame Brian at all. Like I've been here. I've had this variant explosion. But yeah, it just isn't sustainable. So what do we do? Yeah, this is not anything to feel ashamed of. This is the logical conclusion of doing the right thing. But um, too much of the right thing is sometimes the wrong thing. I don't know if that actually holds true. But in this case, it's, it's true. <laughs> too much of a good thing is a bad thing. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Moderation, Brian. So yeah, in this instance, well, we were talking about this beforehand. Like the number of permutations you have, is is it factorial? Like if you have six different things that can be changed, it's six times five times four times three times two times one. That's how many permutations you'll have, whatever times that minus one, et cetera, down to one. And that can really explode and, and get pretty exponential. So I think you're already thinking about this in the right way as far as like what are the release valves for how to avoid this type of situation. So yeah, the first thing is like, could you make some of these hide and show? Do they always need to be available? Like, could this be just a single component that has all of these different things hidden by default? Or maybe there's some special uh, setup for the default state, but you can show the things that are hidden by default. One way, if you're going to do this, one thing to think about is potentially creating some sort of notation system so it's clear that particular layers or groups can be hidden or are eligible to be hidden or shown so that people aren't just hiding and showing stuff willy-nilly and breaking your components because that's kind of the, the risk you get into of like, well, if people are changing things outside of that instance panel, is there a way that they could get stuff into a situation that isn't real, right? Is there an illegal permutation that they could create by hiding mm -hmm. and showing mm -hmm. things in a particular configuration that, no, we actually don't support that? I would consider that. I would also consider, like, for example, here you have uh, two separate toggles, and one is title, and the other is subtitle. Does it make sense to have one without the other? So in this example, does it make sense to have a subtitle without a title? 
maybe that's a better thing to do like a drop down. So you have none title, title plus subtitle. You know what I mean? Is this making sense so far, Brian? It's making sense. Yeah. I mean, looking at this design, I think my first reaction, I, I get that this is an old school pre-variant way of thinking about it is I think I would have just had one component, zero variants, honestly. Or maybe I, I see that there's a, a variant for state. I imagine it's like default hover active or something like that. That feels like the variant to me or the property to vary against. Whereas all these other things, I'd just have one component and hide show. But again, I, I, that does feel old school. I just feel like in this scenario, they've over-indexed on the variance tool. Yeah, maybe don't include those initially. Maybe reduce the permutations to just the ones that you know are actually going to be used in product. And if someone needs another one, then you can add it in as necessary, but keep it clean yeah. that way. It, it's hard to know. Obviously, we don't know what the context of this component is, like what the product is and what the design team's needs are. But yeah, I think I, my intuition would be like, how do we go semantic first? Like, let's audit the app. We have these four places where this card component could be used. They're always going to have these four permutations. Let's just make those the four components, right? Like large card, square card, 16 by nine card. I don't know, like whatever your the correct system is and just avoid using variants altogether. It's like how would... At the design system level, I imagine you've got to be thinking about not only how are we going to build and maintain this, but also how are the product designers who use this in their designs going to encounter it? Will they know what the right combinations are? Will they, if they're working on whatever, the home screen or the notification screen or a product detail, will they know which variants to reach for? And my hunch is they would, and it'll always be the same thing in that context. So they might actually, their brain would reach for more like, product card or upsell card or sidebar card rather than like having a generic card component that encapsulates every possible style that a card could appear in the product. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, So I mentioned earlier that you could use some notation thing to indicate whether something can or cannot be hidden and shown. Are you talking about just like naming the layer a specific way? So you could do that, right? This this isn't a completely open system. You could do it however you want to. I've developed kind of an emoji system. So we use particular emojis to indicate different things about a given layer. Like if the text can be edited, it has a pencil. If it can be hidden and shown in this example, I use the see uh, no evil monkey emoji, right? I was going to do the eye, but it's kind of creepy looking at that, <laughs> you know, down a component layer list. So the monkey emoji is nice, and it stands out as a different silhouette from a lot of the other emojis that you want to, might, might want to use in this type of situation, and uh, different color and everything. Anyways, do whatever you want to, but having that type of notation is is good if you can't communicate it clearly in the component, and maybe even include this in the component description, right? Every component has a text field that you can enter any type of description that you want into, and one of the things that you can put in there is usage guidelines, right? Like, this can be hidden, this can't, don't touch these layers, the other ones are okay. Lock down the stuff that you don't want people to to mess with even, literally like locking the layers. But uh, continuing on from notation onto, uh, we were talking about these toggles. So in, in this example, you have a toggle for each of the properties, right? Title, subtitle, body, and CTA. This is something I see a lot, which is if you have a property and there are only two variants of that property, and those two variants are named either off and on or true and false, it will create a toggle on the instance side in the instance panel. It'll actually show you a toggle that you can flip on and off. It's a really nice 
interpretation of what you intend on the building side for how they see it on the usage side. And because it's so nice, there's, I think, this kind of gravity towards it of like, yeah, I'm going to put toggles for everything. I'm going to use toggles on every single thing. And then you end up in this exponential binary thing and not necessarily using toggles the way they're intended to be used. Just because a thing can be on and off doesn't necessarily mean that you should use the toggle. A, a drop down might be more instructive to indicate like what exactly the, those two states are rather than on and off. It might not be a perfect analog for what you, what you mean by uh, flipping that toggle. I would also consider like, can you combine two of those toggles? So back to that title and subtitle thing, like instead of toggles, they could be a drop down. Maybe it would be like header or something as the property and then none, title, title plus subtitle. Now you have a three item drop down for that thing and you've gotten rid of two things and combined it to one. And now that's only three different permutations that you have to combine rather than four. Does that make sense? Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, I, all of this too can be used with mix and match, right? Like, so you can do some of these things like combining things or removing toggles or repurposing toggles to be something else and using hidden layers with notation, all that stuff. This can be used in a single component. I think the most important thing is if your designers understand what all of those things are for and what they mean, right? And that's, that's kind of your job as the design systems person or the person who's building this component communicating to the people who will be using it what each of your your things mean. Hopefully there's a, a larger system at play here that you can leverage, but uh, otherwise just make it super simple. And I, I guess if you want to go the opposite direction, which is really complicated, but easier for bulk editing, if you do truly need all 128 of these permutations or whatever the number has to be, some stupid number, one way you can make it a lot easier on yourself if you need to make any edits is have subcomponents, like atomic subcomponents for each of the parts within each of those variants so that when you edit the title, if you change the style or whatever the, the default state of that title is, you can change it on a subcomponent that is used as an instance within all of your variants. That way you change it once, it changes everywhere it's being used. So it's still complicated on the design side as far as like you can still have all those different variants. But when you want to make bulk changes, you're, in this case, you would only change like four things and you've changed all of your permutations appropriately. Makes sense? Right. Yep. Nesting and grouping variants. And uh, yep, that makes sense. Yep. And uh, I don't know if you've run into this, Brian, but if you build a component that is sufficiently large, Figma will yell at you about it. Have you seen this before? No, I've never gotten there. Yeah, um, it will warn you over a thousand variants that components that are too big may have performance issues. Uh, so if you see that, <laughs> oh my god! If you see that warning, you've gone too far. You've gone too far. Um, I've seen it a couple times, and yeah, it, it was absolutely right. Like that was not necessary. I, I should have split that up into three or four separate components. But when when you do get that message. You should start thinking about which property you want to split those components along, like which one makes the most sense, whether that's theme or the state or a style or a size or something like that. But figure out how you're going to split it up and, and do it intelligently. And I guess the last thing I would say is just a little pro tip, Brian, which is the default variant that will be used when you place this component down into your canvas is the top leftmost variant in that component frame which makes for some suboptimally organized components, in my opinion. Like, So, for example, you have a button and you have a bunch of different sizes of button. 
you kind of want like the medium size, say, to be the <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, default yeah. one, but you want it to be organized within the component of like small, medium, large, or large, medium, small, but medium like, so it, like messes up your ordering and everything. That sucks, but that's at least how it works today. So top left is the one you need to optimize for. That seems like an obvious quality of life fix for the Figma team, if anyone there listens, right? Just yeah, yeah. Mark as pick. default or something, the same default. way I can mark yeah. a frame as a cover thumbnail. Right. Yep. Yeah, that'd be nice. It'd also be nice to have better auto layout options within a variant component. Like you can make the entire component auto layout and it's fine, but you can't have sub groups within there doing separate auto layout to lay out different right, buttons, right, right. You know, whatever. Yeah, that'd be really nice, but uh, I just work around it <laughs> at the moment. But yeah, if you work at Figma and you're listening, that'd be a nice thing. There you go. All right. Well, hopefully we answered your question, Brian, with a Y. By the way, this is a different Brian, Brian with a Y. Hopefully we answered your question and this was a, a decent explanation. You can move forward with confidence knowing that you're providing the best components for your designers. Oh, that's nice. Uh, if we didn't answer your question, just reply in the GitHub issue and we'll try again next time to follow up. Cool. All right. Cool things. Cool things. I'll go first. You've been going first a lot lately. Okay. I will cut you in line, Brian. This is my time to shine. Uh, <laughs> Your time to shine. Do not screw this up. Uh-huh. You only get one shot. Do not miss my chance to blow. Got it. Okay. So my cool thing this week, Brian, is uh, kind of nerdy. Uh, you know that I've built a gaming PC, and I had some fans set up for that gaming PC, and, and they were nice. They were RGB. They, you know, they had the lights going on. But the problem with them is that every single fan in my PC case has two cables coming out of it. And I have 10 fans in my PC case. So that's 20 cables. That's too many cables. That I have to manage in the back, you know, behind in the, in the ugly space that you can't see. Uh, they barely fit, actually. So my case brand is Leon Lee. Leon Lee. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's a really good PC accessories manufacturer. They make really great cases, but they also make case fans. And this line that they have is called Unifan. And the appeal of this is they link together. You can just slot them together, slide them together. And so one set of however many fans you want to chain together, I think you can do up to four in a chain, but all four of those fans only have two cables coming out. One for power, one for color. And it's amazing. Really cool. And it's, yeah. it's sorry, it's chaining power through a magnet? Uh, they have open contacts and then little retractable pins. Oh, that, that oh I see, over. I see. I'm on their marketing website, open contacts. Okay. Yeah, they're great. So there's two models. One that has like lights on the side, so the edge of the frame lights up. So the fans at the top of my PC that are uh, against the radiator you can't see the fans because it's at the top of the case. So like I use the side ones because you can pl- see plenty out of the, of the lights on the side. But the other fans in my case, you can actually see the fan blades. So I use the AL line. SL is the side one. AL is the I don't know, area light, side light, area light. I'm not sure what the A stands for, but they're very pretty and it cuts down on cables. Like they're, they're really well manufactured, very quiet. Highly recommended if you've built a gaming PC and you're looking to upgrade your RGB fans. Check out these Leon Lee Uni fans. So, okay, I kind of zoned out for the last second because I clicked to the Leon Lee website. Have you seen this desk that they make? I will look at it now. So they make a desk that is a PC. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the desktop is glass. You can sort of see into all the internals. But like the fans are built into the back of the desk 
Uh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, I think uh, Linus Tech Tips, they built their own version of this with liquid cooling and a bunch of stuff. Yeah, this is a whole thing. That's pretty awesome because one of the annoying things about having a PC and a, a standing desk and all this kind of stuff is the cable management figuring out how it's going to be attached to your desk, if at all. Okay, it's going to be off the floor. Well, then the cable's got, they got to have wiggle room. But having it just be the desk, ooh, that's cool. Or like wall-mounted, I've seen that too. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. All right, well, links to the show notes for the Curious PC Adventurer. Yeah, pretty, pretty fans. Brian, what's your cool thing? My cool thing this week is something inspired by your home, Marshall. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, we're doing some upgrades. We got a new place and we are, at least I am, going to start dipping my toe into smart homeland. And the first thing I wanted to get was a smart lock. And I got the August Wi-Fi enabled smart lock. I think it's like the V4 or something like that. Whatever their latest one is. Wi-Fi smart lock. Dead simple, really easy to install. And it's nice. I remember um, I was a guest on someone's August system a long time ago at an office. And it was so flaky. Like it would just never connect right. And uh, so now using it, I guess like three years later, maybe even four years after that, it feels more solid. Like uh, a lot of cool features. Like it has a door sensor that attaches to the door frame and it'll like notify you if you left your door ajar and didn't lock and all this kind of stuff. It's also Wi-Fi connected so that it just knows once my phone connects to the Wi-Fi network, if I've been away to just automatically unlock. So it unlocks as I approach TBD, we'll see how reliable that is over time. But, you know, first couple times so far, so good. Anyways, yeah, that's it. I'll recommend it and I'll unrecommend it later if it sucks. But um, I'm liking it so far. Nice. Yeah, uh, I have, I think, three of those throughout the house. And yeah, they're like, I'd give them a B in long term, having used them for a long time. Like, okay, the software is okay. The software is not great. Yeah, the functionality and the hardware is very good. And when it works, it's great. But for example, I can't set my front door lock to be instant anymore. Like it just won't change to instant. It has to be on a timer, which I have set to the minimum of 10 seconds. But I don't know why the software won't let me change that setting. But every time I do, it's like an error occurred. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I can't do this anymore. But yeah, I'd say B, B plus. Okay. All right. Fair I don't enough. think there's anything better for what it's worth. Like, I, I just think that's the state. That's of, the thing. Of yeah, yeah. I, I did some digging around. There's lots of options. I mean, and partially August, I think, is the most aesthetically pleasing of all of the options. There's a bunch of others that are like super technical and got keypads and like fingerprint sensors and all that stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. I want something that's ergonomic, pretty to look at, and mostly is just out of my way. Like, it will do the thing automatically i walk away from the door unlocks and locks appropriately you know well cool thing brian yeah cool things all right this has been episode 425 of the design details podcast hope you enjoyed it let us know what you thought we're on twitter at design details fm hit us up tweet at us uh thank you brian for opening the issue and asking a question today it was a fun topic talking about components if you have other topics or questions that you want us to discuss in future episodes you should open an issue at github.com slash design details slash design details if you enjoyed the episode and want to hear some bonus content or just support the show for, uh, you know, just a little buck a month, you can head to patreon.com slash design details. If you head there right now, pay a dollar, you can get access to our sidebar. Today, we're talking about car UI design. So thanks everyone for joining the fam this week. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all next time. Have a good week. Bye.
Uh, so I bought a new toy. It's a Roomba, uh-huh. which it feels this might be the most opulent, lazy accessory I've ever purchased. Anyways, never had one. See if I like it. Heard good things. Have you ever had a Roomba? I had a Roomba. Oh, had. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Um, I think you are one dog poop away from also not having a Roomba. Man, that happened to you? Yeah, one time. Oh, God. Oh, God. One time. Came home and I was like, what the fuck did you do, dog? Like, what (laughs) happened while I was gone? Like, how did you even manage this? This seems intentional. Did Uh I do something to you? Uh, And then I found the Roomba and then I threw away the Roomba. (laughs) (laughs) And the Roomba went bye-bye.